Welcome to Words Matter with Katie Barlow and Joe Lockhart. Welcome to Words Matter. I'm Katie Barlow. Our goal is to promote objective reality. As a wise man once said, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, not their own facts. Words have power and words have consequences. This week on Presidential Words Matter, we focus on leadership and comfort in a time of national tragedy, crisis, and mourning. On September 14, 2001, President George W. Bush spoke at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. at a National Day of Prayer and Remembrance Service. Just 72 hours earlier, more than 3,000 Americans had been killed during the most lethal terrorist attack in U.S. history. The country was still shut down. Commercial air travel was grounded. The dead were still being counted. But the president talked of unity. The tragedy, whose full toll had yet to be reckoned, could have torn the country apart. But instead, it had united the American people and their leaders. President Bush expressed both empathy for those who lost family, friends, and loved ones, and a steely resolve that they shall not have died in vain. In the interest of full disclosure, I joined President Bush's White House staff less than three months after this speech. I was a Democrat from New York who had worked at both ABC and NBC News, not the most likely candidate to serve in the West Wing under a Republican president from Texas. In early December, on my way to the White House for a job interview, I called my former boss, Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, for advice. I told the retired Democratic senator who had served in Richard Nixon's White House where I was going, that I might be offered a job, and that I was unsure if I should accept. Lad, he told me with a bemused laugh, I learned before you were born, you don't say no to presidents. As usual, he was right. In the weeks, months, and years that followed this speech, the president, his advisors, and his administration, myself included, made some serious and consequential mistakes. We will spend the rest of our lives trying to rectify those errors and atone for those failings. But in the immediate aftermath of that national tragedy, President Bush provided leadership and resolve, as well as a few other things that the American people desperately needed. Comfort empathy, and hope. With that, let's listen to President George W. Bush's remarks at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. on September 14, 2001. We are here in the middle hour of our grief. So many have suffered so great a loss, and today we express our nation's sorrow. We come before God to pray for the missing and the dead, and for those who love them. On Tuesday, our country was attacked with deliberate and massive cruelty. We have seen the images of fire and ashes and bent steel. Now come the names, the list of casualties we are only beginning to read. They're the names of men and women who began their day at a desk or in an airport, busy with life. They're the names of people who face death 
and in their last moments called home to say, be brave, and I love you. They're the names of passengers who defied their murderers and prevented the murder of others on the ground. They're the names of men and women who wore the uniform of the United States and died at their posts. They're the names of rescuers, the ones whom death found running up the stairs and into the fires to help others. We will read all these names. We will linger over them and learn their stories. And many Americans will weep. To the children and parents and spouses and families and friends of the lost, we offer the deepest sympathy of the nation. And I assure you, you are not alone. Just three days removed from these events, Americans do not yet have the distance of history. But our responsibility to history is already clear. To answer these attacks and rid the world of evil. War has been waged against us by stealth and deceit and murder. This nation is peaceful but fierce when stirred to anger. This conflict was begun on the timing and terms of others. It will end in a way and at an hour of our choosing. Our purpose as a nation is firm, yet our wounds as a people are recent and unhealed and lead us to pray. In many of our prayers this week, there's a searching and an honesty. At St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York on Tuesday, a woman said, I prayed to God to give us a sign that he's still here. Others have prayed for the same, searching hospital to hospital, carrying pictures of those still missing. God's signs are not always the ones we look for. We learn in tragedy that his purposes are not always our own. Yet the prayers of private suffering, whether in our homes or in this great cathedral, are known and heard and understood. There are prayers that help us last through the day or endure the night. There are prayers of friends and strangers that give us strength for the journey. And there are prayers that yield our will to a will greater than our own. This world he created is of moral design. Grief and tragedy and hatred are only for a time. Goodness, remembrance, and love have no end. And the Lord of life holds all who die and all who mourn. It is said that adversity introduces us to ourselves. This is true of a nation as well. In this trial, we have been reminded, and the world has seen, that our fellow Americans are generous and kind, resourceful and brave. 
we see our national character and rescuers working past exhaustion, in long lines of blood donors, in thousands of citizens who have asked to work and serve in any way possible. And we have seen our national character in eloquent acts of sacrifice. Inside the World Trade Center, one man who could have saved himself stayed until the end at the side of his quadriplegic friend. A beloved priest died giving the last rites to a firefighter. Two office workers finding a disabled stranger carried her down 68 floors to safety. A group of men drove through the night from Dallas to Washington to bring skin grafts for burn victims. In these acts and many others, Americans showed a deep commitment to one another and an abiding love for our country. Today, we feel what Franklin Roosevelt called the warm courage of national unity. This is a unity of every faith and every background. It is as joined together political parties in both houses of Congress. It is evident in services of prayer and candlelight vigils and American flags, which are displayed in pride and wave in defiance. Our unity is a kinship of grief and a steadfast resolve to prevail against our enemies. And this unity against terror is now extending across the world. America is a nation full of good fortune with so much to be grateful for. But we are not spared from suffering. In every generation, the world has produced enemies of human freedom. They have attacked America. Because we are freedom's home and defender. And the commitment of our fathers is now the calling of our time. On this National Day of Prayer and Remembrance, we ask Almighty God to watch over our nation and grant us patience and resolve in all that is to come. We pray that he will comfort and console those who now walk in sorrow. We thank him for each life we now must mourn and the promise of a life to come. As we've been assured, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth can separate us from God's love. May he bless the souls of the departed. May he comfort our own. And may he always guide our country. God bless America. Thank you for listening to Words Matter. Please rate and review Words Matter on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers.